0: I want to talk to you a bit this morning about perspective. You can take your copy of the scriptures and turn to Acts chapter 21. While you're doing that, Acts chapter 21. While you're doing that, I want to share something with you. I sent sent my boys on assignment this weekend to give us some examples of perspective, and so um, I have a couple of pictures for you this morning that I want you to look at with me. All right, Kevin, can you give us that first picture? Alright, I think Kevin went out and had, had Nicholas stand in Taylor's hand. Do you see that? <clears throat> Nicholas is uh, being a good little guy, standing in Taylor's hand. Alright, how about the other picture, Kevin? Ah, perspective is everything, isn't it? He's standing on a snow pile. You've seen pictures like that before. Go back to the first one there, Kevin. He, The first one... You see, your eye says, "Wow, that that gets tiny," or that hand is huge. And then when you see the other one, the second picture, go ahead and go back. There. You go, "Oh, wait a minute! There, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no fooling me. He's not standing in his hand in that one." You can do that right where you sit. Thank you, Kevin. You can do that right where you sit. Take your fingers and go like this and put them around my head. Okay i do that to you. Close one eye, and you, you squeeze real hard. No, I'm just kidding. Just, just you can. All right. It looks like you're holding, right? It looks like you got my head between your fingers, right? I did that to you, too. So just things are even. Perspective is interesting, isn't it? You've seen pictures like that that are a lot better maybe than the ones that we had for you. Thank you, Kevin and Taylor and Nicholas, for your help with that the illustration this morning. Perspective is everything, isn't it? It really can be. Perspective can be very important. You may you you may have looked out the window on Friday morning. <clears throat> what did you do when you looked out the window on Friday morning and saw the snow coming? You had heard the weather report talking about what? Six, eight, ten. You know, if you're my family, you're going 12 inches, you know, 12. <clears throat> you looked out the window Friday morning and maybe you said, oh, no, I'm going to have to shovel the driveway. Or if you were my children, you looked out the window and said, yes, finally snow, right? Your perspective was very different from my children. If you looked at that snow and went, oh no, your perspective was very different from my children. And I, you know, I don't mind snow these days. I'm, you know, when I get a little older and my kids are all gone, I'm probably going to mind. But right now I just say, go out and shovel the driveway. It's really easy. It's easy for me to clear the driveway. I just go out and shovel. It's time, you know. When they, I'm probably not going to enjoy the snow as much later in, in my later years when the kids are all gone. But... Perspective is everything, isn't it? It's important. It's important in the Christian life as well. I know, um, I know perspective. I was talking to Carolyn about this the other day, and she, you know, she said perspective is very important to her when she looks at her laundry pile. <laughs> you know, when she looks at her laundry pile, she says, I have eight children I love and a family I love, and, and that's all right. You know, the laundry's all right. I'll just keep working on the eternal laundry pile, right? Just <laughs> perspective is everything. Perspective can be a very important thing. If you don't have the right perspective, you can find life very difficult. You can be the guy that has the glass that's what? Half empty, right? Or you can be the guy that has the glass that's half full. Perspective is, is very important. And like those examples, perspective in the Christian life and perspective in ministry is critical. When you are doing what you believe to be the work of God, perspective is very important. And often the way that you respond to difficulty depends on your perspective. I like I said, you know, when my wife looks at the laundry pile, if she has the proper perspective, she says, "It's okay, I'll be all right, you know, I'll get through it. And one of these days there won't be a laundry pile, but then there won't be eight kids at home either, you know. So perspective is important. And like that example and the others I've shared with you, ministry is the same way. When you begin to look at challenges and difficulty and even difficult people, your perspective often will dictate how you respond to those those things and those different people. Difficult people, difficult decisions, and difficulties. I want you to think about one more illustration for for you, and maybe for those in the workplace, you've had to deal with difficult people in the workplace, right? We've all been there. I've, I've been around difficult people in the workplace before, as, as you have. And if you look at your life and you say, you know what, I'm God's child. I'm a servant of God and I'm here. I know God has me here for a purpose to influence people for Jesus Christ. That makes all the difference in the world when difficult people get in your face, right? It's not easy. It doesn't make it necessarily easy, but the perspective helps, doesn't it? To say, wait a minute, God has me here for a purpose. God knows about this situation. He's allowing this for a reason. I'm going to let God use me in this. If your perspective is off. You go, Lord, what in the world's going on? Why are you allowing this? And why can't I get this person out of my life? Perspective is very, very important. In a life lived for Christ, it is often perspective that will make or break your joy. Whether or not you experience true Christ-like joy can often be linked to whether your perspective is correct. Now, whether or not you have the proper perspective can mean the difference between serving faithfully with joy amidst trial and difficulty... Or serving while having to deal with feelings of defeat and discouragement. Now, lest you think I'm suggesting that we always get this right. I am not. I know that we don't always get this right. And I I can tell you that I especially do not get this right at all times. And there are times I face discouragement. And there are times I face defeat. And I have to say, wait a minute. Let's fix your perspective here, Pierpont. Think about it. God has you here for a reason. So we don't always get it right, do we? And I definitely don't get it right at all times. And as we come back to the book of Acts, and we look at chapter 21, we, we are reminded that Paul certainly knew difficulty, but his perspective was correct. And though Paul was not a super saint, you might think that he is, if you look at the examples from Scripture, he wasn't any different than you or I. And he dealt with the same challenges and struggles that you and I do in the Christian life. But his perspective was correct. And he was a child of God, a servant of God, who wanted to please God with his life. And so we can learn from Paul's example here in chapter 21 of Acts. We have seen in our studies that Paul faced difficulty. We're just beginning to see the depths of the difficulty as we enter chapter 21 and we, and we study through this chapter and into the rest of the book. We're going to see some serious difficulty that Paul faced. But he was able to do it, I believe, because he had the proper perspective. We've seen Paul's perspective before. He said that he considered his life worth nothing when it came to his service to Christ. If it meant saving his life or serving Christ and dying, he was going to serve Christ and die. His perspective was correct. And from Paul's perspective, he knew trouble was ahead. We saw it back in chapter 21. I'll tell you what, move back to chapter 21 for a moment and look with me at verses 22 through 24. 24. In chapter 20, Acts 20, verse 22. He knew trouble was ahead. Let's look at his perspective. Verse 22 in chapter 20. And see now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except, he wasn't completely sure what was going to happen, but he did know this, except, verse 23, that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. How do you go on in the face of that? Look at verse 24. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Is that your perspective? Paul's perspective was God has me here for a purpose to testify, to minister to share the to ministry of the grace of God, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gospel of the grace of God. That's why I'm here. I'm going to face trial. I'm going to face tribulation. I'll face certain chains, but I'll do it. And he even says that I may finish my race with joy And the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Rather than watch out for his own well-being and take it easy, Paul was willing to risk his own life. He was willing to leave those who were near and dear to him and those who were ministering with him and to face the difficulty of travel and the certainty of persecution and hardship to do what? To spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was his perspective. Now as we study the early verses of Acts 21, we're going to learn what a proper perspective is from Paul's example. And as I said, Paul wasn't perfect, but Paul was a man who had his eyes fixed on God. And we can learn from his example. So look with me, Acts 21. And we're going to read the first four verses this morning. We're going to come back to this passage tonight. I want to encourage you to come back tonight and continue in this study because it is an important one for us as we learn from Paul's perspective but I want, to see, I want you to see one major truth this morning about Paul's perspective that we see highlighted in these first four verses Acts 21 verse 1 now it came to pass that when we had departed from them and set sail running a straight course we came to Kos the following day to Rhodes and from there to Petara and finding a ship sailing over to Phoenicia we, fe- we went aboard and set sail When we had sighted Cyprus, we passed it on the left, sailed to Cyprus, and landed at Tyre. From there the ship was to unload her cargo. And finding disciples, we stayed there seven days. I want to stop right there in the middle of the verse. Paul knew that ministry was about people. Paul knew that ministry was about people. I've heard jokingly pastors say, Ministry would be great if it weren't for people. You don't get it, do you? Ministry would be great if it weren't for people. Some of you get it, you know. But ministry is all about people. That's what ministry is about. It's, It's about ministering to people for God's glory to bring them the grace of God, to tell them of Jesus Christ. It's all about people. Paul knew that ministry was about people and Paul loved and respected people and he knew why he was on planet Earth, to tell people about Jesus Christ. Quite a change from when we first saw him in the early chapters of Acts, hunting down Christians, doing his best to destroy them, eliminate them. Don't you think? That's all changed now because of Christ. Christ has changed Paul. His life is completely changed. Now he knows how important all people are to God. Now he realizes how much God loves people and how much God wants him to love people. And just as we learn from 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. Some of your translations say we love him. I just want to note there that that is more accurately translated the first way. We love because he first loved us. We are able to love because of God's love for us. And Paul learned that. Paul knew that. As we enter chapter 21, Paul is nearing the end of his third missionary journey and we see Paul's people perspective. That's the first perspective I want to talk to you about today and it's a major one. It's a a critical one when when you look at your life as a Christian and you look at your role in God's work in the ministry. Because if you're a believer, you ought to be involved in God's ministry of ministering to people the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see Paul's people perspective. We need a people perspective. And we see Paul's people's perspective in the difficulty that he and the people had in his departure. And I want you to go back to verse 1 for a moment and look at it with me where it states, and I I think from the New King James Version, which I read to you before, it's, it's kind of flat there. It just says, Now it came to pass that when he had departed from them and set sail. Now his departure, if you read that verse, his departure might seem like just a friendly goodbye if you didn't understand that the language used in the original for Paul's farewell and departure described there a goodbye that was much like tearing people apart, tearing away. It was really a violent thing. It was a hard thing. It was with great difficulty that they said their goodbyes that day. As a matter of fact, the NIV describes their goodbyes here in that way. It says in the NIV, after we had torn ourselves away from them. That is more literal in its translation. After we had torn ourselves apart, after we had torn ourselves away from them, it was a difficult thing. And it it hints to me Paul's people perspective. I was thinking about our family, and we recently went downstate, visited family for Thanksgiving time. and, And when we visit family, you know, we really love our extended family. But we rarely find ourselves having to tear ourselves away from each other. We're only, you know, three and a half hours north. It's not that hard to hop in a vehicle and go down and see them or for them to come and see us. We know that we'll see them again before too long. And Plus, if you're like us, you know, you, know, after a while, you're ready to go, right? You're not, you not thinking of staying for too long and you go, boy, I really like home. <laughs> and if, I remember thinking back when well, I was thinking back to when I was a youngster, especially when we used to go to my grandparents farm in central Ohio and my cousins would be there and we'd spend two or three days as a youngster it was hard to leave because I knew it was gonna be a long long time before we saw them again I loved them so much we had so much fun and when we left it was a deep ache in my heart driving down the road all the way home as a parent I'm ready to come back home where things are you know routine and when we get home we go wow home is really nice we're really glad to be here It's a little different for us, isn't it? But this is not the picture we see here in this first verse of Acts. Paul's heart was for the people, and the people's heart was for Paul, and what made this a difficult goodbye was the fact that they probably thought they would never see him again. Now, think about that. If you went to see your loved ones, and you thought you would never see them again, there would be a tearful separation, wouldn't there? It would be a tearful goodbye. It would be hard. And it was hard for them. This was a hard goodbye. This was like the pain of losing a loved one. I see a second indicator of Paul's people perspective in the first part of verse 4. And I want you to see this. Do you see the first thing Luke mentions they did as they arrived in Tyre? As they left and said goodbye to these people, they were torn from these people. They, they got aboard the ship and they traveled and they got to Tyre. What's the first thing that it says that they did when they got to Tyre? Luke mentions Paul and the others went and found the believers there. They went and they found the believers there. Now, now these believers, I want you to think about this with me for just a moment because now these believers are likely some who ended up there as a result of having to flee the persecution in Jerusalem after the death of Stephen that we saw back in Acts 8, Acts 11. Who led that persecution? You know who led that persecution? Paul. And here's Paul hunting up, hunting out these believers for some other purpose. Rather than hunting down to destroy them, he was hunting them up for Christian fellowship. He was looking for them. The first thing they did when they got off the ship and they got to Tyre, they were looking for the believers there. And these were now brothers and sisters in Christ. As I thought about this, I thought, boy, this this would be difficult. Having been known, you know, having a reputation for hunting down Christians and having them eliminated. And knowing that I'm going to go and find people who fled the persecution that I started or led. And I'm going to go introduce myself as a believer, fellow believer in Jesus Christ. It seems like that would be a hard meeting, wouldn't it? But you see Paul's people perspective and his willingness to go look for the believers, to fellowship with them. You see, the bond that believers have is a special thing, isn't it? The bond that believers in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, is a very special thing. I was privileged to speak to a stranger, someone I'll maybe never meet who lives in Texas the other day who called helping uh, helping loved ones look for a church. And I had a brief 15-minute conversation with a person who's a complete stranger to me, but there was this bond in Christ, this fellowship of believers that we could identify because we know Christ and we love Jesus Christ with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength and want to serve Him and please Him. That's what Paul had. He had a love for people. He had a people perspective And that bond that believers have is a very special bond because it is a bond that is founded in Christ and is based on Christ. So Paul sought out his fellow Christians in spite of the fact that it might have been an uncomfortable situation for him because he had a people perspective. And he wanted to strengthen and encourage God's people wherever he went. So he followed what he knew the Lord wanted him to do, and he sought out the believers to encourage them and then strengthen them in their walk with Christ. He overlooked his own comfort levels. I don't know if it was me. I was thinking, you know, boy, I'd have a hard time. It would take some courage for me to go and present myself and say, hey, it's me, Paul, you know, the guy who was trying to hunt you down and kill you just a few years ago. And we're buddies now, right? That's behind us, right? That'd be hard. I would have a hard time with that. But if you have a people perspective, your people perspective will drive you to go beyond your comfort levels and say, forget what I would like or what makes me comfortable. I want to please Christ. I want to please God. I want to minister to people. I want to draw them to Christ and encourage them in their walk with the Lord. Why did he have such a love for people? Well, I think it's because his people perspective was shaped by the fact that God had changed his heart and God had arrested Paul's attention and blinded him to the physical world, you'll remember that God seriously got his attention and took his sight to the to the physical world and but there was something he gained his sight to. God opened his eyes to his own sinfulness and his need of a savior. And Paul was awake spiritually then. He was blinded to this physical world, but he was seeing finally the spiritual realm. And he knew he needed a savior. He knew he was a sinner. And God opened his eyes again eventually to the physical world after Paul trusted Christ. And then he began spreading the gospel to anyone who would listen and to those who wouldn't. He says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 10, which gives us a very clear look at his people perspective. 2 Timothy 2:10. 2, Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. I endure all things, whatever it is that comes my way. I endure these things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. I have God's salvation. I want others to have it. That gave him a people perspective. Paul was well aware of what he had been saved from also. I want you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Would you do that? 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Paul was well aware of the depths of sin and depravity that God had saved him from. I want you to see it with me. 1 Timothy 1, verse 12, just for a moment. He says, verse 12 and following, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me, because He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. And verse 15 says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Paul knew what he had been saved from. Paul knew the life of sin that God had redeemed him from. Ephesians 1.7 reminds us that in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Nothing we've done, nothing Paul did, earned God's grace and earned a redemption from his sin. I think that's why Paul was so influenced to have a people perspective in his walk with Christ in the ministry that he was doing on earth. Paul's people perspective was shaped by the fact that he realized what God had saved him from. Has God changed your life? Has God redeemed you? And are you aware of the depths of sin and depravity that God has saved you from? You realize that because of God's grace, we don't get what we deserve? And only because of God's grace? But in Christ, we're redeemed. And we are made worthy of God's redemption through no merit of our own, but because of Jesus Christ. You realize that? That ought to drive you to have a people perspective to say, God, thank you for what you've saved me from. I want others to share in this. You know, if you're a child of God, the love of God enables you to love others, to have a people perspective. Perspective. And your gratitude for the depths of God's grace and mercy toward you ought to move you to show the same kind of love and mercy to others that God has shown you. In fact, we learn from 1 John 3.14, one of the ways that we are assured of our salvation is by our love for other believers. Our love for other believers doesn't earn our salvation, but proves our salvation. 1 John 3.14 says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Assurance of your salvation. You love brothers and sisters in Christ, you're assured of your salvation. It's also a warning. If you do not love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you you better check. You better turn to Christ and ask him to save you from your sin and help you love the brethren. Later in 1 John, 1 John 4.7, we're reminded that believers are to love one another for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Do you have a love for people? Do you have a people perspective? Do you have a people perspective when you think about your life and and living it for Christ? Is is that shaping your life? Is your people perspective shaping you and and helping you gain the proper perspective in life that, yeah, you know, I have to deal with difficult people and I have to deal with difficult situations and sometimes, sometimes I have to deal with broken relationships, but I will do it because I love people, because God loves me, and I want them to know God. It was because Paul had a people perspective that he could say in First Timothy 4.10, for to this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. He was able to have that people perspective in spite of all the hardship he knew he was going headlong into because he knew that he could labor and he could suffer reproach because of his trust in a living God who is the Savior of all men. I was recently listening to A message from Pastor Jim Vogel of South Baptist Church in Flint. I think Dave and Millie, you guys came from that church before you moved up this way, right? South Baptist is one of our sister churches in the MARBC, the Michigan Association of Regular Baptist Churches. Pastor Vogel spoke at the the MARBC conference this fall on the topic of outreach and reaching out to the lost in the world that we live in. I know from watching their ministry and talking to others about their ministry that they are doing a lot of things right in this area of reaching others for Christ. So so when I heard this message, I was very eager to learn some things from Pastor Vogel, and, and I was very eager to listen to what he had to say. One of the things he said they do at South Baptist is to remind their people that there, are, that there are people that need to be made to feel welcome, that there are always people that need to be encouraged. There are people that come through the door that need Christ, and they need to be, be brought in the church and encouraged and pointed toward Christ. And one of the things that they do to remind their people that there are other people involved, not just us, you know, we easily get together and worship and fellowship and forget that there are people that we need to look to and and look for that need Christ and need encouragement and need a friend. He said one of the things they do uh, there at South Baptist is encourage people with this little phrase, face the door. Did you ever hear him say that? Face the door. He'd always say they're, they're reminding There are people all the time to face the door. Maybe not physically to face the door, but to remember that through those doors that we look at as we leave and we come, there are people coming through that need Christ. There are people coming through that need Christ's love. And not to forget that it's just us for you know, to think that it's just us for and no more, you know, get our little holy huddle together. And forget about the world that's without Christ. And forget about people who are coming in. So it was a real encouragement to me just to hear that and, and to think about, how they're encouraging in many ways. He went on to say many other things about how they're encouraging their people to think outreach, to think about the people in their community that need Christ. And that, just, that little phrase, to face the door, to remind people that you leave, you go into this community, you've got neighbors that are out there who need Christ, and you need to witness and minister to them. You know, I, I was thinking about our our church and, and you people in particular, and I think you're pretty good at facing the door. You know, when people come in, you seem to make them comfortable and welcome. And that's what we want to do. We want to minister to them and look for their need and help minister to them uh, the love of Christ. And you're pretty good at that. But it's a reminder to us that we should never grow into this mindset. Well, it's just us here. You know, we don't need to do anything. and We're just going to survive until Christ comes and, and, and just do ministry and not really look to the door. Look to people who need Christ and, and go into our communities and look for people who need Christ and minister to them. It's a reminder to us not to get into that habit of going, well, it's just us. You know, Let's enjoy the fellowship that we have as believers. We're here to learn and grow, yes. It's a reminder to us, too, to have the attitude and understanding that there are people in our own neighborhoods that need Christ, and we need to take steps to reach out to them for Christ. Many of you will, will recognize a little phrase we, we've used often, loving God, loving people. And for some time, we had that phrase right up here on the walls, and we took it down uh, a while ago. And part of our thinking was that we wanted to be careful that this wasn't something that we just preached and never practiced. So we wanted to take it down so we wouldn't just forget about it. I was pleasantly surprised when many people said, hey, where's, where's loving God, loving people? It's gone. Where is it? I liked that. It was a good reminder to me. I was like, praise the Lord. Thank goodness. And we took that phrase, loving God, loving people, down a while back because we wanted to be very careful that we weren't just, you know, throwing around a catchy slogan. We really want to practice what we preach. We put it back up this week. It's out front. When you leave this morning, look to your right. Look up. We want, we want to put it there for this reason, because when you come in, I want you to realize this. That you come in to learn to love God. And when you go out, you go out to love people. All right. When you come in, you learn to love God. And we come together to love one another and love God and to learn how to do this better. When you go out, you've got a commission. You're going out into this world to love people toward Christ. I hope that's your desire. I want you to come back tonight and we'll see more of Paul's perspective on how we can learn to practice the proper perspective in the Christian life and in the ministry. But I want you, I want you to give me your attention just, just for a moment more. All right. I want you to listen carefully it, it, it's possible that there are some here today who have never trusted Christ and you've heard of God's grace and forgiveness of sin toward those who trust in Christ and his love and mercy on those who believe in Jesus Christ who confess their sin and turn to Christ as Lord and Savior you've heard that message you've heard the, the scriptures that's maybe even convicted you that you don't know Christ and you've listened you've realized that you've never confessed your sin to God and you and you've never believed in Jesus for your salvation I invite you to do so today. There's no time like the present. You know, as we we near the Christmas holiday, the world around us celebrates a holiday that for those who do not know Christ as Lord and Savior has far greater significance. The Christmas season has far greater significance for them than they realize. We know, don't we, from John 3.16 and 17, the verse in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and the world doesn't, doesn't realize that that's what Christmas is really about. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The, the world misses that. In verse 17, especially, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus came because he loved people. God sent his son because he loved people. Jesus came to save the world from its sins. That's why Paul had a people perspective, and that's why we must have a people perspective. Because Jesus came and gave himself to save us from our sins, and not just us, but the world around us. I come back to you, if you don't know Christ, if you would like to trust in Christ today, I want you to do one of three things this morning. First, you you can pray right where you are. I want you to know that you can trust Christ right where you are. I'm going to pray in just a moment. And when we bow our heads together, if you don't know Christ, I want you to pray and ask God to forgive you of your sins and tell God that you believe in Jesus Christ so that you can be saved from your sin. That's the first the first thing you can do. Secondly, I want you to know that you can come forward this morning. We're going to sing in just a moment. And I want you to know that you, as we're singing, if you want to come and pray with someone, a prayer of repentance and acceptance of Jesus Christ. I want you to come forward when we sing and you tell me and I'll have someone pray with you. Or thirdly, you can ask me to call or visit you as you leave this morning. But don't put it off. Don't reject Christ again. Just don't don't wait another day to trust Christ. If you If you do choose to pray right where you are this morning and trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior in a prayer silently, I want you to make sure you tell me you did that, would you? Because we want to help you along in your walk with Christ. Maybe you've come to Christ recently and you need encouragement and you need help in your walk with Christ. We want to help you with that. So please tell me. And for those of you who do know Christ, here's the challenge. How's your people perspective? How's your people perspective? Is it shaped by God's love for you? Is it shaped by what you've been saved from and what you know God has brought you out of? And are you driven to thank God with your obedience to him and loving people? Does your people perspective help you face challenge and difficulty knowing that you are fulfilling God's purpose for your life? How's your people perspective? Pray with me this morning. Let's ask for God's help. I need it, and I know you need it. Let's pray together and ask for God's help in developing our people perspective. Father, we come before you this morning encouraged, strengthened, challenged, even convicted by your word. And Lord, you know the deepest needs and desires and of our hearts. Lord, I ask for your wisdom and your direction and your guidance but a Especially, I pray, that you would give your people the strength to surrender to you, the strength to yield to you in you doing your work in and through them. Father, we, we want to have a, a people perspective that glorifies you, that, that loves people because of your love for us a people perspective that goes out of our way to help meet the needs of others and love others toward Christ and share the gospel with them. Lord, I I speak for myself. I am so selfish. And I need so much help in in being strong to yield in being strong to surrender to you and the work that you want to do in and through me. Help us, each one, I pray your blessing and encouragement on each believer this morning. And Father, should there be those this morning who do not know you today, I pray that you would draw them to yourself and help them to realize that because of Jesus Christ, they can experience redemption, forgiveness of sin, and acceptance with God through Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for your love for us, demonstrated one more time in your word. We thank you for your mercy on us as you had mercy on Paul and drew him to yourself. Father, help us to never get used to the idea that you love us so much that you sent Jesus Christ to take the punishment for our sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.